Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 30 August Fenwick had seen the soldiers raise their rifles. As he raced across the uneven ground to the high ridge, he had expected to find the men who now faced him. He had seen their approach through the mind of his master, Rashan, who now held the bulk of the approaching force in a hypnotic thrall. For all of Fenwick's speed, he had not reached the ridge in time to use his martial training to his advantage. Dozens of unarmed combat styles were his to command, together with strength, agility, and a familiarity with the terrain. But as the soldiers approached, he knew that he was too late, that their guns gave them a striking reach he could not match. As the length of red silk around his eyes pulled taut behind him in the onrush of wind, time seemed to slow. Each moment seemed to be a complete act, an hour, a day. He forced his body harder, faster, knowing it would never be enough. He saw hands move to triggers and seemed to throw himself towards his enemies in a last burst of energy, of desperation, never realizing that he did not, at that moment, move at all. The men were perhaps fifteen yards away when he heard the guns begin to roar. For an instant August Fenwick felt himself suspended, as if in amber, Still himself, but not within himself. He heard the rifle shots tearing at the air, and their roar seemed to wake him suddenly as if from a dream. His first thought was sheer amazement at the absence of pain. His eyes darted up to the men on the ridge. Their rifles were aimed, not at Fenwick, but at an open, empty space thirty feet to his left. They had paused in their attack, as if confused, until a sudden cry came from one of their number. Fenwick looked up and saw the squat man with the beard pointing at him in astonishment. August Fenwick did not pause to wonder at what had happened. For months he had trained the hidden powers of the human brain, learned the ancient sciences of the mind as few living ever had. But it had been theory, this was no mere exercise. In that moment of desperation his training had taken over. He had reached out into the minds of these gunmen with his one desire, that they see him where he was not fire their bullets uselessly rather than destroy him. As the soldiers changed their aim and targeted his true position, he had little time to improvise. It had worked once. He reached out into the ether with his mind, and felt his consciousness flow into those of the men who faced him across the rock face and the biting wind. He felt his mind in their minds. Abruptly the men changed their aim again, and then again... They fired wildly as they saw the masked white man appear and disappear before their very eyes. August Fenwick felt the fear growing in their hearts with every errant shot. He could taste their adrenaline, feel their hearts racing, their knees quaking. He truly knew the terror that the strange apparition he had become put into the very hearts of the men that wished to destroy him, if only they could find him. As Fenwick's power grew stronger, more confident, he could not help but laugh. His laughter was mocking, full of mirth, almost joyful. It sang of the promise of justice to come and echoed through the valley. It seemed to come from a dozen mouths in places unseen. The gunman heard the laughter of the masked man and despaired. 
Desperately clutching in white-knuckled hands the guns that had made them brave only moments before, they fired again and again, knowing in their hearts that it was futile, knowing that their misdeeds had awakened a force that they could not defeat, fearing for everything they might have ever held dear. The laughter of the man in the mask was a roar in their ears now as the mists of the high mountains seemed to swirl around them, making the fleeting glimpses of their tormentor even more unpredictable. Two of the soldiers turned and broke into a run, scrambling back down the rocky path as quickly as the terrain would allow. The squat man with the beard shouted orders after them, hiding his own fear within a stream of oaths and threats in a dialect unknown to Fenwick's ear. Whatever he said, it didn't seem to have much effect, as the men never broke the stride of their retreat. Another soldier moved to follow them. The bearded commander leveled his weapon at the would-be deserter with a glare that left the sincerity of his threat in no doubt. Hidden in plain sight, Fenwick could see the moment clearly. The blanket of mist was, like his own phantom images, a hypnotic projection of his own mind. He saw the rifle pointed at the soldier's heart, the soldier that had been his enemy, now under threat of his own commander. Fenwick moved swiftly to intervene. The eyes of the soldiers stared into empty space with horror and wonder as the masked man once more reached out with his mind. To their clouded senses the fog had rolled upward, growing thick and dense around a single point in mid-air. That mass of mist slowly resolved itself into the face of their masked tormentor, tremendous in size, suspended in the thin and biting mountain air. They heard the laughter once again, heard it at volumes that made their bones rattle and knees quake. The uneven war was lost. The soldiers were, to a man, more frightened of this horror than the squat-bearded man. They turned and ran in terror, the wind howling with the cruel, mocking laughter of the spirit that protected this valley. One man remained, only the commander, his rifle clutched between hands white with terror. He stared at the apparition with an expression calculated to suggest he was unmoved. His face was grim, scarred with a hundred battles. He was not a man to be frightened by ghosts. Once more Fenwick reached out with his mind. The vaporous apparition swirled once more, consuming itself into a man-sized tornado, just feet away from where the man with the rifle stood. An instant later the wind stopped, and the image of the man in the mask stood before his foe. The squat commander leveled his rifle and fired directly into his enemy's heart. The form of the masked man took it and smiled, moving forward slowly but inexorably. From his vantage point at the bottom of the ridge, Fenwick grimaced a little, this was going to be the tricky part. The man that remained at the top of the ridge would not be fooled by a simple illusion. He needed persuasion, the sort that only flesh and blood could give. But from the base of the ridge, Fenwick was in no position to use his physical abilities, only the power of his mind. The telekinesis his fellow student favored had never been Fenwick's study. He had experimented with creating raw force with his mental energy, but Rashan's teaching had taken him down a different path. With every ounce of his energy, August Fenwick reached out with his mind. As the phantom image he had cast lashed out with its fist, Fenwick gave everything he could to the illusion. If he could just make the bearded commander believe the spell strongly enough to actually feel the blow. An instant later, the soldier lay on his back, stunned momentarily by the punch he had received. From his vantage point, the masked man laughed a little his mirth echoing through the thin air, seeming to come from everywhere and nowhere. 
The laughter stopped suddenly as Fenwick gaped in amazement. It was difficult to see for certain, but he was almost sure that there was blood on the soldier's face. Had Fenwick exceeded his training and truly thrown a telekinetic blow? Or had the illusion been so complete that the soldier's mind not only felt the pain, but actually created the damage the blow would have done? It was at least somewhat academic at this point, as the bearded commander scrambled to his feet and raced down the path after his men. They would hurry down the trail until they fell under Master Rashan's spell, like the squadron they had broken off from. They would join the ranks of confused men staring at a rock wall where a path had once been. When they did, they would speak of an unearthly terror waiting beyond, an elemental force which they had awakened, which could not be hurt with bullets, and had powers no army could match. They would leave quickly and in defeat. If only. The man in the mask was drawn back to earth by the echo of gunfire behind him. Slow, methodical gunfire. He turned in haste back toward the cootie. From where he stood, he could clearly see his fellow student holding the ground he had been charged with protecting in his own way. The ground along the main path was strewn with a dozen corpses. The men that remained alive were each frozen, quaking, and in some kind of mental thrall. Fenric stood stock still in amazement for a moment. Some of the soldiers stood, many were on their knees, and each seemed to be fighting a losing battle of their own. The man in the mask watched from a hundred yards away. He could see one soldier, his arms quaking, resisting some inexorable force, lift his rifle and rest the barrel in his own mouth. Fenwick's cry of protest was drowned out by the sharp retort of the gun. He raced over the rough terrain, leaping from rock to rock like a monkey, watching soldier after soldier lose their hidden battles and take their own lives. He was still twenty yards away when the final man fell and crumpled, his life snapped short, his blood painting the stones a bright unnatural red. The man August Fenwick knew only as one turned to face him with a self-satisfied smile, like a cat that had dined well. "'No mean feat, young one,' he said condescendingly, "'to force another man to suicide with the brute force of one's own will.' Fenwick stood astonished, the lengths of the sash he wore over his face flapping behind him in the biting wind. At last he sputtered his reply. "'I thought it was impossible,' he said quietly. One smiled even more broadly. "'I had heard that, too. That is why I could not resist the attempt.' To force a mind into an act so far from nature is truly the act of a master. Like all things, it just required practice. Fenwick stared, open-mouthed, at the carnage before him. His fellow student had certainly seized the opportunity to experiment. Near the top of the path where it entered the valley, he could see men that looked like they had been shot down hastily by their own enthralled comrades. As the men had neared, one's mastery had grown more complete, and the abominations grew more hideous until they reached the last man sprawled, almost headless, at the feet of this smiling young man. "'Study is a very fine thing, rich man's son,' he said, his gaze narrowing as they looked deep into Fenwick's astounded eyes. "'But in the end, nothing teaches like practice. Whole armies will fall at my feet. The riches you scorn will be mine a thousandfold.' Fenwick blinked in greater amazement. "'What are you saying?' he said. One did not seem to have heard, lost as he was, in a rush of adrenaline and a haze of darkness that seemed to flow from within him. 
and on that day he almost sang, You too will call me the master.